Well, we're coming to the end of our series as we have been reviewing some of the things that Jesus has set us free from. If you'll recall, the whole theme is whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus has told us that. Now, in the past weeks, we've looked at a few of the many things that Jesus has set us free from. He set us free from, and he wants to set us free from anger, from addictions, from bitterness, from hopelessness, from lies, and from worry. And next week, we're going to wrap this all up and put a tidy little bow on top of it. Where we're going to be looking at how he sets us free from generational curses. But today, we're going to be looking at another extremely prevalent condition that Jesus wants us set free from, and that is regret. Now, there are some of you that haven't heard the story I'm getting ready to share, and some of you have. So if you've already heard this, just bear with me and draw new truth from it. There was a little boy and his big sister who were visiting their grandmother in the country for the summer. And little Johnny got a slingshot and he wanted to go outside and play with his slingshot. And uh, his grandmother said, that's just fine. Just don't be shooting it right around the house because I don't want anything to happen to my chickens. And so Johnny went out and he got out behind the barn and he shot and he shot all these different places. He said to some tin kids, he could not hit a thing with that slingshot. And he just got so exasperated and he was just about out. He was down to just one rock left. And he was walking back toward the house and he looked over there and there was Granny's rooster strutting around like he knew what was going on. And he just took that rock and he just, pew, hit that rooster right in the side of the head and the rooster fell over dead. Well, little Johnny looked around, nobody around. So he grabbed that rooster, went back behind the barn and he dug a hole and put the wood from the wood pile that he moved aside and buried that chicken where it wouldn't be found. Finished it up and he turned around and there's Susie, his sister, standing there watching him with her hands on her hips. And she just turned around and walked away. Didn't say a word. And he just kept waiting for an ax to fall and it didn't. And that evening, uh, when it was time to finish up after supper, little Susie said, Granny, can I watch my favorite TV show now? And his grandmother said, well, Susie, I'm sorry, but uh, it's coming on right now and it's your turn to do the dishes. And she said, oh, that's okay, Granny. Johnny told me that he'd take care of the dishes tonight. And then she kind of leaned over and said, don't forget the chicken. And so Johnny did the dishes. And then for the next four or five days, every time it was to her benefit, Johnny would hear the words, don't forget the chicken. And finally... He just couldn't bear it anymore. And he goes up to his grandmother and says, Granny, I've got something I've got to tell you. And she says, what is that? He said, Granny, you just got to know I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I killed your rooster. 
And she said, oh, Johnny, I knew you did that. I was looking out the kitchen window when you shot that thing. I was just waiting to see how long you were going to be Susie's slave before you came and told me about it. Now, the thing is, Johnny lived for about four days or so there with something that we call regret. Now then, what I'd like to know is have you ever done anything that you've regretted? I don't want to show a hands right now, but just think about it. Have you ever been, well, have you ever, if you've ever said, if only, or uh, if you spent time in the land of coulda, woulda, shoulda, then you know the pain of regret. And it does have a kind of a, a pain to it. The world is filled with the pain of regret today. And uh, as we drift further and further from the Lord, we're going to see more and more people living with more and more regret. But the good news is that we can actually gain freedom from our regrets and move on because it's one of the things that Jesus came to free us from. Now, let me uh, just tell you, there are, uh, I'll just give three things that I know we often regret. Often we regret what we say. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Have you ever put your foot in your mouth? Oh, man, sometimes it feels like I just opened my mouth to change feet, you know. Uh, if you ever say something that you wished you could have just grabbed from the air and stuffed back in your mouth, I have for sure. Well, uh, often we say things that are just, let's face it, idiotic. The open mouth and foot, insert foot stuff. Like when you ask a woman when she's due and then you learn she's not pregnant. You know, the pain of those moments is usually gone quickly, but there are other times when our words are not so easily forgotten by others, especially when we're angry or hurt. We get into an argument and we say things that we regret later. Someone once said, speak when you're angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. There's so much truth to that. Sometimes we can mend the wounds, but there are times when the wounds we cut with our words are just way too deep. Wounds that time can't heal. Proverbs 12.1, I'm sorry, 12.18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword. We often deal with the pain of regret from what we've said for others. Let's face it. Sometimes it's what we do that brings us regret. Sometimes we make decisions based on how we feel. Sometimes we make decisions uh, on the spur of the moment. Sometimes we make decisions out of our selfishness and self-centeredness. And sometimes those choices come back to haunt us. Dr. Ann Catherine Speckard of the University of Minnesota reports the following long-term consequences of abortion. 81% reported preoccupation with the aborted child. 73% 
reported flashbacks from the abortion experience. 54% uh, recalled nightmares related to the abortion. 23% uh, reported uh, uh, hallucinations related to the abortion. One study showed that they are more likely to attempt suicide than other women. In other research, psychiatrists reported negative psychological manifestations in 55% of those who had undergone abortions. In another study, even those women who were strongly supportive of the right to abort reacted to their own abortions with regret, anger, embarrassment, fear of disapproval, and even shame. And all of this research just bears out what I discovered in my own experience when women would come to me after having done something like this and living with the pain of regret from it. Many of our regrettable decisions are irreversible. We have to live with the fallout from those poor choices, and that leads many times to regret. As part of a commencement address, former First Lady Barbara Bush shared the following with a, a group of graduating college students. As important as your obligations as a doctor, lawyer, or business leader will be, you are a human being first. And those human connections with spouses, with children, with friends, are the most important investments you will ever make. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed a test, not winning one more verdict, not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband or a wife or a child or a friend or a parent. Our success as a society depends not on what happens in the White House, but on what happens inside your house. And she is right. No one at the end of their life is going to say, gee, I wish I could have spent less time with my family and more time at work. When we put off telling someone how much we care about them and they die, we regret it. When we need to take amends with someone and we put it off and they pass away, we deal with the pain of regret. When there's something we know we should do and we put it off until it's too late, we regret that also. In early 1874, an inventor named Elisha Gray transmitted a few musical notes over a telegraph wire. He thought to himself, if I can send music, perhaps I could send the human voice. The New York Times reported predictions of uh, a talking telegraph, and the public began to grow eager for it. Just one year later, Gray believed that he had the answer. Tin can-like voice chambers connected by a wire in a liquid that could turn vibrations into signals, that's what came to his mind. However, he didn't put this idea on paper for two months. After finally making a sketch, he waited four more days before he went to the patent office. When he arrived, Mr. Gray was told that just two hours earlier, 
A school teacher had come through that same door with his own sketch and had already applied for the patent. His name was Alexander Graham Bell. When you compared the sketches, the voice chambers, the wire, and the liquid, everything was identical. The reason we know the name Alexander Graham Bell, and until today you never heard of Elisha Gray, is simply because one man seized the opportunity when he could. The other one waited until it was too late. Many times we regret not seizing the moment. Procrastination, let's face it, can produce regret. Now, this is especially true, and it will be especially true in your response to the gospel. Your delay in recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior may someday result in an eternity of regret. In Philippians 2, 8 through 11, it says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now think about that. Can you imagine the pain of regret when the day of judgment comes and you realize that when you blew off those people who told you that salvation came through Jesus Christ and you realize that they were right, but there's nothing you could do about it and it's too late? Talk about the pain of regret. The eternal regret of not recognizing Jesus as Lord until it's too late is one of those things that is going to be an eternal regret. Jesus said in hell, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I firmly believe that one of the reasons is the pain of regret. Think about it. We're plagued now by the things that we wish we would have done differently. But here, we have an opportunity to start doing things differently. We can hear the good news and we can be freed from regret. But after that moment, before the, after the judgment, there will be no more opportunity to be freed from regret. We'll have put it off too long. Imagine spending eternity in hell's torment being constantly reminded of the times you could have and should have responded to the call to salvation and you put it off. Someday, maybe, oh, I have time. And then someday never came. Your life was cut short. You had the opportunities, but you didn't take advantage of them. Now you have an eternity to regret your decision. Erwin Lutzer said, hell is the place of unquenchable, raging, unmet emotional needs without painkillers or sedation. Hell is a place of eternal regret. Now, let me tell you this. Regret was given as a gift. Regret is a negative emotion that God gave you for a reason. He didn't give it to you just to make you feel bad. He wanted you to feel bad so you would do something, you see. There's a reason why you feel regret, and that's because something is wrong. It's another one of those negative emotions, like I've said before, like the red light on the dashboard that's flashing, 
in letting you know there's a red flag flying. Something needs to be done now. Don't put it off. Take care of it now. When handled rightly, regret can become a doorway into sanctification and a deeper life with God. It wasn't given to you for torment. It was given to you so you would move on and so that you would do something. Now, how do you deal with regret? Let me go ahead and share this with you. And a lot of what I share with you is what I share with a couple. Whenever someone comes and I'm doing premarital counseling with them and I discover that one of them is divorced, I go through every bit of this stuff with them because they always have regret from their past marriage. And I tell them, you need to deal with that regret. You need to deal with any guilt. You need to deal with any anger. You need to deal with any unforgiveness before you go into this new marriage. Are you going to be taking baggage into it with you? And your baggage is going to wind up being sloppy and it's going to slop off and it's going to affect your new marriage as well. And so I'm just going to give you just real briefly six different things that you need to do uh, if you find yourself in regret. First of all, pray that God will clearly reveal your part in the matter that's bringing your regret. Don't just go through the game of blaming other people. Some people go through their whole life blaming other people for what's wrong in their lives instead of looking at themselves. Remember, when you got one finger pointing one way, there's three fingers pointing back at you. There's nearly always a part that you played in it. And so pray that God will clearly reveal your part in the matter and don't be afraid to face up and fess up. If any of you, it says in James 1, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him or her. So number one, pray that God will reveal uh, your part in the matter. Number two, if he shows you that there is sin or sinful activity involved in it, confess it, confess it. As it said in scripture today, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your part in it. Receive God's forgiveness for your part in it. And then if there's any, this is number three, if there's anything that you can do to make the situation better, do it. Oftentimes regret deals with situations that actually you have control over and that you can do something about. When that's the case, do what you know you should do to start turning things around. Uh, Jesus gives us an example in the fifth chapter of Matthew. If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. So number one, pray. Number two, confess. Number three, do what you can about it. If there is anything, sometimes 
There's not. Number four, forgive everybody involved in the situation, including yourself. Let all bitterness, Paul tells the Ephesians, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Okay, number five, glean wisdom from the situation. You've gone through it, learn from it. Don't just go back and do it over again. Learn from it, glean wisdom, glean wisdom from it. That's what the Lord wants you to do with the experience that you've been through. No matter how negative it is, he wants you to learn from it and then move on. Having grown from where you were and starting to move on to where the Lord is calling you to be. The story of the young executive IBM that made the mistake comes to mind. It cost IBM a million dollars. And after he was called into the chief executive's office, and when he goes in, he says, well, I guess you want my resignation. And the CEO said, son, we just spent a million dollars educating you. I don't want to give up on that investment. That's the way God looks at the bad things that you have wound up putting yourself in and going through. Yeah, you had a bad experience, but now you've got the rest of your life. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do with it? You have a future and a hope. And that is, and so anyway, in Proverbs 3, 13, 14, it says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the person who gains understanding. For its profit is better than the profit of silver and its gain than fine gold. Learn from it. Glean from it. You learned what not to do. It's kind of like Thomas Edison in the light bulbs. He failed a thousand times or some horrible number of times before he got it right. But then he got it right. Maybe you failed in the past, but don't let that keep you from trying again. Number six and the last one, trust God. Trust him. Yeah, you got hurt. But now then you have God who is with you. You have God who cares for you. You have a God who loves you. And now you want to move on. And he wants you to move on even closer to him now than you were before. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things, not just some things, all things to work together for good for those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. No matter what your past, no matter what it is that you have regretted, right now, if you'll receive it, God has plans for you, as we talked about last week, to give you a future and a hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.